know. It's such a relief to be not having to uh, push the buttons and uh, record this. I know, I'm hoping not going to fuck the whole thing up. This is uh, an advertisement for your sound studio. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't okay. sound better than our, our ones. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You're going to show yourself up a bit. Better. Yeah, I know. We'll get to the end of like, oh, I haven't recorded it. So. <laughs> oh, no, that's it. Waste of time. I mean, I think you, you, you think that recording sound would be quite straightforward, but as listen, listeners to this podcast may have noticed, uh, the first season when we recorded this, we had absolutely, well, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, and mm. um, it sounded uh, probably quite subpar. Have you heard any of the first season? I haven't, I'm afraid. No, that's no, all right. It, yeah. I just, it's, um, yeah, it sounds like dog shit. And it sounds like dog shit to me. So imagine a sound expert listening to it must sound like... I don't know, like, once you get used to a certain noise in the background, then you forget about it. Your like, brain kind of processes it out, Yeah, hopefully. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting to listen, listen to different podcasts and listen to how they record them. Like, there's a completely different atmosphere to podcasts which are recorded in a soundproof room. Like, even just being in this room right now, like, it's so quiet do yeah. you get like when you do you do a lot of recording in this studio yeah um like i mean i have sort of like a, a master sample libraries for sort of like basic basic shit like sort of footsteps doors closing and opening and like really sort of normal stuff but then like quite often with projects will come across something that's um that we don't have or is quite abstract or we just want to make something new uh so yeah and then it's quite weird because it's just me in here so like I mean I'll be doing like vocal samples and you it's where you'll be stood in here getting quite embarrassed even though it's the only use you're trying to do like the vocals of little cartoon characters or I don't know you'll be rolling cups along the floor or doing like all sorts of like strange stuff just trying to get the right sort of material texture whatever so yeah I do I do do quite a bit in here um, yeah so Box Toys is like uh, it's a company formed of three people and the other two guys do music right and you do the sound side yeah of things. that's right yeah so we've got uh ben who's in who's based in surrey we, we all work work remotely from each other so this this studio is kind of our our base of operations i guess and uh just so we if we have meetings we don't have to do it in our bedrooms or anything like that yeah. um and then yeah so sorry ben is like the the sort of acoustic organic orchestral guy so he's all like pianos violins all that kind of stuff and he's yeah an absolute legend on the piano and he's like the youngest member and he's uh been a composer since like the word go he came out of university got a job composing and that's all he's ever done and it shows like he's he's yeah i can say write a piano piece within half an hour he'll have something amazing i don't i don't know what he does but yeah he's spot on um then there's Magnus as well, who's based in Sweden. I think he was in Stockholm, uh, now he's in Norshipping kind of thing. Um, and he's like sort of the the synth guy, like he's more electronic. It comes from a background of uh, sort of, yeah, electronic music production. I think he had something to do with, remember uh, Girls Aloud, Here Come Here Come the Girls, something oh, yeah. to do with the drums on that track <laughs> or something. So, yeah, he was, he was like a sort of, Produced for Universal Sweden, something I know. Yeah, there's probably... a lot of like pop tunes that come out of Sweden, right? Yeah, there's um, 
yeah, a bit of a history of kind of Swedish producers. I think they they have a very sort of uh, clean sense of style. So, I mean, just look at like you know the IKEA and their kind of graphic design and yeah. everything. But also with the producers, they're very sort of. Uh, he, he almost annoys me a bit because I'll, I'll I'll send him something and he always hears the, the imperfections. He always pick it out kind of thing. So mm. uh, yeah, he's our like uh, he is a composer as well, but he's our producer. So in a kind of uh, generic project. I'll be on sound design, Ben might start the music, Maggie will add to the music and then mix it all together and uh, then we sort of end up with um, I guess we know, like, we've got quite a sort of electro-acoustic sound which is a, a blend of of yeah more organic kind of sound sources and electronic and uh, yeah so like the journey always go like through Maggie at the end and then we sort of end up with our result and we'll we'll sort of um, discuss anything before it before it goes out of the studio and uh, you know, not always the smoothest process, but that's the kind of way it works. Yeah. You know, we all. I think that, that's probably our strength that we all have quite um, like sort of different backgrounds and diff- we're very different people, diff- different opinions. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, somewhere in the middle, we agree on something, and I think that works quite well for us. Well, yeah. definitely working with you guys is always seems pretty smooth. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think uh, being a small studio, it's um, you can be more relaxed. There's not so much like booking in and you can just give us a shout like you need you need something quick just like you know that kind of thing so that, that really sort of works in our favor how um, long have you guys been working in that way before because they magnus used to be here right oh yeah he used to work in this he was in the work lived in the area right and we, we were both in this studio um then he, he had an opportunity to move to sweden with his family so right. it's like yeah we figured like yeah cool do that and uh yeah, but like like I said, it's all remote now, which kind of has that. All, have, you, have you guys ever been in the same in based in the same place together? Um, ish, like we we were a like a, an audio production company or yeah, sort of sound design music place before, which is where we all met. Okay, um, where was I, that? Uh, Radio Audio. Okay, uh, they were like in Hackney Wick, and that was actually one of my first jobs in in sound design, which really sort of like you know cut my teeth there. Um, I, I was quite lucky because I missed all the kind of um, the runner machine room kind oh, of yeah, yeah. elements that you might get in a sort of Soho audio house and I was dropped into the deep end um, which I think is like you know one of the best ways to learn the fastest ways to learn mm. um, Ben and Magnus have already been there I, th- I can't remember who was there first but yeah they, they were already established when I got uh, Magnus just happened to be two doors down from the Radio Audio studio oh, okay. uh, Ben was uh, based in Surrey he's still where he is now um, yeah, and like I think we were sort of there were other members of the team. Um, I think we were with the core after a time, the, the, the core writers kind of thing, right? And then I, I think we sort of just figured that you know everyone wanted to sort of move on, go different places, and we yeah, we figured we could sort of do this for ourselves and right, right. um, yeah, set set a box of toys audio up. I think it's five years now. Oh, really? Um, yeah, um. We, yeah, just started small, taking on anything we could. Where were mm. you when you first started up? Was that in Nettle House here? Oh, no. Um, <clears throat> like, yeah, like I said, Ben was in Surrey. Um, Magnus was still in London. I was... I'd just been kind of <laughs> moving about all oh, over the place, right. really. Um, so you guys were just sort of working remotely? Yeah, from our from bedrooms, basically. Yeah. And we had sort of, like, basic kit. Um, yeah, and then we sort of, like... It, yeah, just sort of speaking over Skype and getting things done, and we were sort of 
as we made more money we had sort of like a goal to sort of up, up our up, up our equipment like the the sort of standard of our equipment um so there's quite yeah. a lot of kit in in sound design right yeah there's like it's is it like a bar that stops people getting into it do you think because how much are these microphones these two we're using now as a stereo pair because they're stereo matched. They're like about two, two and a half grand ish. But like we've only just got these recently. That's each like, as well, right? Oh no, as a, as a as pair. A pair. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, yeah, we couldn't even dream of that kind of level at the start. But I, don't know, I think like the sort of technologies at a place now where you can you can create really good stuff with. I mean, maybe you guys have this as well. You can create really good stuff with with the right eye or the right ear um right. yeah but like the better equipment you get like you know the better standards the uh, sort of work you do but i think i think it gets to a point where when the price gets really really ridiculous and you're only paying for slight improvements in in quality like you're sort of paying for that that extra cutting edge of whatever's going yeah. at the moment um but yeah i mean like when i started i was on a mac mini one screen uh just some like sort of basic 2.1 sort of home home speakers kind of thing uh, but I guess like it helped that we were three people, different rooms different setups mm. that we could, you know there's like three pairs of ears all on the same thing and we could sort of pick out like issues um, yeah and I think we've like over over the years we've fed off each other um, like off each other's sort of strengths you know we, we've, we've gotten better because Ben will tell me oh that's not right or Magnus tell me that was not right it's uh and then, then I learn, like, you know, not to do that or do something better mm. and, uh, you know, sort of vice versa. Um, but, yeah, like, we moved to Nettlehouse, yeah, I think it was five years. Actually, we sort of, like, we were looking for basically showreel material. We were looking for, like, mm. stuff to show off. Yeah. So we were sort of scouring Vimeo for people who had, like, cool, like, motion graphics or videos or whatever. And we found this uh, this Korean artist called, uh, he called himself Flip Evil. I think his name was Sean or something. Um he had this video is like a tribute to uh, René Magritte who's like a Belgian artist oh, yeah. um, and he just had like I think a sort of classical piece of piano on top uh, like Beethoven or something and we just asked can we can we like redo this for you and he was like yep and we did it uh, we got really lucky it became like a Vimeo staff pick which really sort of boosted a lot of our exposure uh, off, the, off the back of that with this, this Korean guy there was a, an agency in Korea called Giant Step who had quite big um there i've never actually come across them myself but like it's you know, um so they 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 got in touch were they like an ad agency yeah right yeah um yeah like sort of production slash ad agency and uh we started working with them and like in talk you know on skype and stuff and we were sort of well we were basically flat out lying saying we had oh this studio in london like we're uh, you know right. sort of uh, this and that and then um then then one time they they said oh yeah we're coming over to london we'll come and uh, we'll come and visit you guys so we're like shit. yeah yeah so we're like shit what are we gonna do and um luckily this this studio came up which was perfect because all this uh soundproofing was already in here oh amazing uh, and we had the sort of the, the the second room and everything uh so we got in and me and magnus got in there we sort of set up and then like eventually like the this Korean client actually cancelled. They're like, oh, "I'm not coming over anymore." So we're like, "Ah, oh, shit, we've got this studio now." But it was a good thing because it sort of gave us the kick up the ass to to actually get. Like, I think it's quite scary having that um, responsibility of paying a, a rent every yeah, every yeah, month. Yeah. But it just it worked out fine. Like, we've not had any problems. And uh, it was, yeah, 
just sort of like set us set us on a on a bit of a path really yeah um yeah that's a nice story into how it was set up yeah until until giant step hears this and then uh, <laughs> do you still yeah. work with them yeah like uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were actually literally working on something with them today uh, oh, that's yeah yeah i bet like, they'd be flattered to uh to know that they had such a big hand in oh i know i hope so yeah yeah um yeah they're, they're great guys like they sort of give us like the thing working on at the moment is like they like they've been really nice to us they actually did a sort of little um they sent us questions like a written written interview and we replied and they did a little article about us oh, okay. and then they got they you know, over in, in like sort of more korean kind of media and uh then they got in touch saying we're doing this um sort of just like a freebie collab artistic collaboration thing um yeah so that's what we're working on at the moment and uh I think yeah, we're sort of getting there with it, and it's, it's yeah, it's quite weird stuff. But that's what we were like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that was our, that was always our bread and butter. This sort of the era of like strange motion graphics, weird objects. Right, yeah, and, yeah. I don't think it's been and gone now, but like uh, not that that's like that. But you know, uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at, I suppose. With them, right. yeah. Have Have you found like working in Nestle House, like having this studio, has that made a big difference to? Your, I don't know your business. I guess. Yeah, I, I really think so. Like, um, well, for one, we like we met you guys through Nettle House, obviously. Um, yeah, I remember uh, that. Just doing the washing out one day, and yeah, and then and just started up a conversation, and then you guys were kind enough to do the sound for everything I can see from here, which obviously led on to other things. But um, but yeah, I think it's it's there is definitely something cool about being in a in a building with like what was like 90 studios or something here, yeah yeah like a sort of 100 odd sort of studios and yeah. I think I think I sort of never really appreciated it for what it was and it's it's been as we've grown I think the studio's kind of grown here as well mm. um, and there's sort of like yeah meeting you guys and then we've met like Moth Collective who are still here mm. do you do the sound for those guys? Uh, yeah more and more often now that's um, brilliant we've done like a few animation things with them um and like we've done sort of bits and pieces with the, the, the odd sort of people here and there but um, yeah it was like it is like I've really grown to love it I mean I, I used to sort of commute here and I used to kind of hate the commute but now I'm, I'm just down the road and really love it like a lot of my friends are here and it's kind of like yeah it's, it's good because like we all the people I sort of hang out with all do different stuff but it's not like we get together and talk about what we do we just sort of it's nice, like you know, yeah, yeah, literally, just mates. yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess because we're all in the same sort of building in the same area, it's nice to unwind and uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's worked out really well. I really enjoy it now, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's changed quite a bit since we were here. Yeah, I, th- I think like I don't want to sort of like knock it. I think it started off quite sort of down and dirty and like a, like a sort of different uh, sort of kind of studio would be here and I think as as it's become more established I think more established studios have moved in if you know mm. what I mean and yeah. um it's yeah. still a bit rough around the edges isn't it I like, know oh, yeah I yeah. think like it yeah appeals to the yeah, like yeah. it's kind of cool as they say and stuff but like I oh, know it always amazed me like around here that the stuff that people are doing is really sort of you know the, the stuff you see is like you know it's quite sort of you know well exposed stuff mm. is uh, yeah always good uh, and like I said we sort of always try and keep our hands in the sort of 
the non-commercial stuff like the collaboration yeah, yeah, stuff as yeah. well which everyone's always up for so it's um yeah yeah it's just a nice um yeah it's quite inspiring i suppose yeah yeah it's so cool that you guys do that that yeah. stuff which is not necessarily commercial projects that you're you kind of I, w- I was pretty shocked when you guys took on our short film which was obviously like a passion project on our part mm. um and uh i got so into it and then like i mean the first thing we heard from you guys kind of kind of blew us away we, d- we had absolutely no idea what it was going to sound like and it's it sounded pretty mm. spot on straight away and i think it was only like i think there was only like one round of changes or like maybe um <laughs> yeah <that laughs> maybe, <I'm laughs> maybe you remember that differently yeah but. 15 no no no, no it's cool because you guys really did sort of up, you know up, upstairs and you could come mm. in and like we could sit and go through it and mm. like yeah, yeah that was that was nice um yes yeah. i think it's worth mentioning that you guys have pretty much done the sound for everything every short we've made like yeah. you did the ninja rabbit theme tune along with Rena. you did an amazing job on the sound of light stuff and wallflowers oh, like yeah. that i couldn't like when because originally the film was going to have uh, like well-known kind of um music tracks to it and when i think bjorn or we all got a bit worried that you know copyright and you know licensing yeah. the music and stuff and when i heard there was like going to be sound lights done for it i was sort of like i don't think that's going to work mm. like i did, really didn't and then when i heard it it's like now i just i don't even notice that they're not the the songs mm. it's like an amazing yeah it's definitely like one of my favorite pieces we've done like later yeah. not just saying that like literally yeah, yeah. like i love it like it's just got everything in there even like because it's so much fun to do like you guys came in and like we, we were in the voices and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun, or are you doing the, the karaoke thing the <laughs> fucking, yeah it's fucking uh, yeah it's loads of fun and I can, I can still watch that again and again yeah. like uh, yeah no the sound in that is absolutely incredible and also like it just replicating I mean the sound of like is is an achievement in itself but then making it feel like it is in those spaces you know like if it's like a or the sort of garage night one or whatever it sort of feels like it's in that kind of venue and things and yeah I think um, that was like our two main focuses were like well like probably more for Ben and Maggie getting the music right but not so close that it was like okay yeah. it's just a real but like you know getting yeah. it like spot on but then like for me it was the the, the rooms and the yeah, the yeah. ambience and stuff like that and uh yeah, I mean, like, because I mean, you guys are sort of referencing places like the Dolphin and like places that you've been. So yeah, yeah. I, I think we've all been the same places. So it's, you kind of like have in mind what what mm. you're going for, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and that was a good one. How how do you how do you guys how much do you guys like doing sound like e kind of stuff? Because it was like all all those tracks kind of felt like when people go to me like do do this but not this hmm. it's always the hardest thing because you kind of got to do it in in that style but then s- find something in it that's inspiring and original that's not copying it you know? yeah like how, how how much it's do also you guys... not that fun as well to do stuff like that yeah i mean i think that there's a way of there must be a way of doing it that is fun because it seems like you guys. Oh no, not no. For, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the But, but that's what I think. Like that. That's. I mean, I. I always struggle with jobs like that. Oh right, right. But I mean, like, there's. A, you guys seem to be able to like 
do that stuff and bring something new to it. Like, yeah. I don't know what the trick is. I think, like, it makes it... Well, like, Wallflowers is a different thing, because we actually, like, that was just fun. That was, like, it, it all felt a bit tongue-in-cheek and, mm. you know... Mm. But then, like, sometimes we have had commercials and they, they give you a track... They're more or less saying like we can't afford that, so we want something like that. And you hear that a lot on TV, like they mm. just, they've just ripped off that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, just, it just happens. They give, they tell you do it, you do it. But maybe for audio, it makes it easier because it's like a certain set of has a certain sign, a certain set of samples, a uh, yeah, certain sort of it's, it's all set out there for you. But I guess for like drawing animation that. Um, like you know, you have your way of drawing. Like yeah. You have a certain flick of the wrist, sort of thing that you have to kind of go against. Yeah. But yeah, with audio, I think it's different. Um, hang on, sorry. Back. All over your nose. <laughs> yeah, all over the <laughs> map. Um, yeah, there is something like I think there is something I quite like about doing commercial jobs generally, where it makes you do things in ways that you um, you wouldn't naturally work which is mm. which is quite cool like you you have habits and you have like ingrained ways of doing things but then when somebody says you know I want you to do something in, in watercolour you know something yeah. in, in the vein of, of this person or whatever those aren't necessarily the things that I'm ever going to show to anybody but they might teach me something about how that yeah it's about the, the challenge I suppose mm. yeah I suppose like yeah, we, with the, with those ones like from an audio angle, I guess we I can't say we enjoy it. You sort of bite your tongue and do it a, a little mm. bit, <laughs> but like um, what yeah. are there like legal implications to like doing sound like things or kind of sampling stuff? Because There's... I've heard so many different like uh, rules of like you know if you you can use this much of the song before you have to credit it or um, you know how close can you it get it to like the melody before it's kind of like actually you're just nicking it I think there's actually like a sort of an illegality coming to it now because I think you have these guys called musicologists who people are employing who who say oh like I think you can I can't remember the rules but like like you can you can like there's only a certain set amount of notes in a in a row in the same kind of context Mm. same kind of instrument that you can that you can that you can do so these are like yeah. experts that get hauled into court to testify that you're or even like agencies might um, I think when it's like sort of top level stuff and like you've got a bit of a nervous client they'll, they'll get these guys in just to double check because I mean um, but so it still boils down to opinion essentially yeah it's a, really? it's a, it's a bit like like copyright I suppose it's such a grey area like right, it, right. it gets to a point where it's someone's opinion at the end of the day like right, right. whether that's a judge or, or a lawyer like right, right, right. Um, it's like the uh, was it Stairway to Heaven had a recent uh, oh, yeah, yeah. massive thing over yeah. that other song and I can see the similarities yeah. and they, they play together but Pharrell got done for yeah for what was it Blurred Lines and yeah the... but it's weird like it Earth, Wind and Fire what was that the... uh, no it was a Marvin Gaye track oh um, yeah 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 it is weird though when you that, when was, that was quite obvious though do you know what the first time I heard it I was like that's a joke and then the more <laughs> I'd listened to them both together I was sort of like oh I don't know if I can hear it now but yeah, the first time I was like that's a joke that's really bad yeah when you can hear it like it's, yeah. it's just right there but the worst I ever heard was um, I think it was like Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit 
is like a massive rip-off of uh, like an old English like ska band or something like really? that. I've, I've forgotten where it is. <laughs> it, but it's like, it's, it's so bad. Really? And I don't I've think they ever got that. done for it. Shit. It's oh. funny though, there's only probably about six chords in, or even less in that. Yeah. yeah. Or, or in that whole song. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah so it's, I guess it's like, there's only so much you can do with that stuff. I don't know. I, I, I find it really difficult. I mean, I'm sure it really is. I think it it's like really difficult you can do it like subconsciously though. I think mm. you can write songs and you you're thinking, oh, what comes next? And you sort mm. of like, mm. and then you end up writing a song that you're not. It's not even present in your mind. You just yeah. you just know that song. Sure. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one time like Ben wrote something. I can't remember what it was, but then I was speaking to him. I was like Ben, like Robbie Williams just fucking rang. He wants his song back, kind of thing. <laughs> like, and he's just like not on purpose, but you've yeah, just written yeah. something that. I think it just happens, like mm, uh, sure. yeah. Um, that is that's quite. I've had that as well. It's quite embarrassing. Like when you're when you do something and you don't know that you're sort of taking influences from other people, and then yeah, and that's quite good when you work in a team that somebody can go. Actually, that's quite similar to to that thing, and you're like, oh shit. Um, so what do you do when you're doing like sound the light thing? I know we're sort of banging on about sound light, but what what do you sort of do to make sure that actually this is. I think this is fair game, but still sounds like it. Um, we don't. Well, we don't get a musicologist in. I think we sort of. Um, I think Ben's more. He's got more expertise in this because he knows more the sort of the, the literal rules that have been kind of mm. laid out. But um, I think, like between the three of us, we will listen to what the original is. We'll listen to what we've done, and just sort of just make a make a judgment that right. that that it's okay, kind of thing. Yeah, and like. It's weird because, like, when you listen to a sound like or, or a sound like that we've made, like you're thinking, "Oh, that's too close." But then, when you actually compare them side by side, you realise that it is a different. Like, it might be the same instruments, but it's yeah. a different chord structure or, or yeah, melody yeah. and stuff. It's just like it just has a similar sound overall. That's and what I think is so clever about the the Wallflower stuff is that it's like it's completely evocative of that song rather than it being similar, which yeah. is like it's is more powerful I think you know like and uh, th- that's what I was so impressed about that because it's not those songs at all but it, like when you hear it it makes you think of that song do you know mm. what I mean like yeah um, I, think, I think that's half the thing is like you can have all the same drums and bass guitars or whatever and like that combination of instruments you think oh that sounds just like that but then you listen I think that's where the musicology comes in right. it's down to like what notes are being played yeah. are using the same progressions and I think that's the difference right. so you can choose all the same instruments, but then the actual uh, notation of it can be quite different, sort of thing. Right, and right. Uh, that's where the difference is. So, like, yeah, we make a judgment and just go for it. Fingers crossed. And <laughs> uh, yeah, because like, I think like it's that kind of thing. Like, no one wants to take. We like, are you? Sh- they always ask us yeah. like, could you get that right? You're sure it's not too close? Oh, really? And then uh, you have to sign something saying. Like well no not 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 sign something but just like have something in emails saying it like right. I mean we don't do sound like that often I think no, we've no, done no. about three you know the whole sort of thing but um, right, right right yeah I think it's just yeah you need to just sort of go through it make a make a sensible judgment yeah. and like at the end of the day it just comes down to someone's because there's no like written in stone rules that bloody blah, blah blah then you've gone wrong yeah. kind of thing it's it's just down to opinions so we sort of we trust our own opinion on that right, and like right. being three of us one of us says it's too close then we'll change it up a bit and right, uh, right. yeah 
How much do you uh, how much do you guys know about the legal side of um, copyright in in music? Because it's quite complicated, isn't it? I remember reading a book about copyright, and there's 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 all this stuff about like rights which I never would have thought of before. Like if you if you play a song in your like if you own a restaurant and you play a song in your restaurant, you're supposed to pay royalties oh, to so the people who own it. Performance rights, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like, yeah. You have to. You yeah, should. legally, I think that there's there's some sort of yeah if, uh, rule around that. We sort of we became sort of half experts at it because like we counter this all the time. It's like a weird because like say with with the sort of visuals, you, you get paid. Uh, you get the you get the video, the motion graphics, the animation. It belongs to you, full on rights, kind of thing, and that's it. With music, like weirdly, they unless it's specifically said in the contract, they they just get a license to use the music. I think it's like always traditionally being with music, starting to happen with sound design a bit now. But like I said, it's always but like basically, it's performance rights. For example, if a song gets played on TV, that broadcaster has to pay performance rights, so like twenty p or something to. Usually, like PRS is the the company that, so like we as sort of composers register to PRS or and they're what like a a kind of public institution or are they? I know they're like a private company, I think, but they sort of like you don't have to do that, but like they collect royalties on your behalf, which is kind of good. And unless you're like a massive company, you've got people to do that for you. They will they sort of get all the information off the broadcasters and then figure out how much money you're owed, blah blah. But like um. Because performance rights make up part, like copyright entails, like the, the right to perform, the right to reproduce, the right to, uh, I don't know, all the, all these things. So, like when you sign up for PRS, you give your perf- performance rights to them, in in kind of, well, yeah, basically give it to them so they can collect on your behalf. So, so they so, sort of hold the copyright to stuff you can make. They don't hold the copyright; they just hold that small part of copyright so like when right. someone comes to us and says we want they enforce it they no they don't enforce it because like they it's they so own it. no no <laughs> they, they, they only they own the performance rights bit just so they can collect on your behalf right, right which is that performance right is only part of your copyright the copyright right, right, makes right, up right. loads of different rights so they own the performance right yeah and so therefore can you get that back if you wanted it yeah I think you can unlike say yeah, that's it. Sort of right. thing. It really is just like a case of they, their collection on your behalf, which saves right. us a lot of hassle of chasing every broadcast in the world who might have played your music. And they take a commission on that, I assume. Um, yeah, I think they probably do take like a small percentage, but like, um, yeah, it's just easy. Sort of like every three months or so, you they they say right, you've had all these songs played, you get this much. So you never know how much you're going to get. You just get sort of a lump sum, but right. it makes it complicated because a lot of people don't understand that when when you're sort of paying someone you're, you're basically like when you ask us to sort of do musical sound you're paying us to sort of compose it and make it and then there's a the usage license on top which is like you're allowed to use this in the UK for a year on TV that's it kind of thing uh, if you want like full on copyright full transfer rights then you have to get your uh, like like PRS involved because they own that little part of copyright. So technically, <coughs> we can't transfer our copyright because we don't 
technically own it like, oh, okay. in law it gets like really messy sometimes <laughs> like um people who are used to it is fine um yeah. but then people who've never heard of it it just I, I can understand why it just sounds ridiculous like oh we pay for this why can't we just use it for whatever we want but um i think it's like it's born out of say someone wants to use a florence machine track you don't you don't obviously buy the track you just license to use it for your advert or whatever kind of thing mm. and then off the back of that that's kind of what we're doing sort of thing so it's right. um it's, yeah it works in our favor it's just the way the way it works so um, do you get yeah. um do you get checks from them regularly then prs uh yeah every every three months roughly um and, and it's uh is it I suppose I'm asking too specific about money or whatever, but it's like a nice little sum. It can be. Um, like like I said, you never know how much it's going to be. Mm. Um, so it can be just like like a few hundred quid, or it can be a few thousands, wow. <laughs> depending that's depending what you've done. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah. yeah. So you and that's just for advert. Like say if you've done a job for an advert, and then you get the money back from that. Yeah, it's like basically, it's not your client that's paying for it. It's the the, the people who broadcast it. So right, right, say right. like whatever channels broadcasting it, they have to pay for every wow. uh, licensed song. Um, yeah, it's just a, just a thing. That's and, amazing. And I'll take it. You know what? That's one thing. Like sound from like uh, people I know who work in sound or like actors who do like voice recording things. Sound have got like the. Uh, usage and kind of performance stuff like really nailed down like it's really hard to take the piss out of like um technicians and stuff in that from what i understand like i know people who go and do voice recording and they get like whatever it is like say they're getting 150 pound an hour to Hmm. do a session if like you go over if you go into the next hour you automatically have to pay um uh, for that that hour and then that doesn't include like their fee for the job and it's yeah uh, and I think that's also with like the session as well like because you know clients will book the room for Hmm. I don't know a couple of hours or whatever and if it goes into the next thing they they charge it similarly yeah I feel like we're not so much like that here but say like sort of a Soho production house they got like a lot of studios a lot of big equipment to run and like engineers and everything so they will they will charge you I guess quite rightly so they've got to run a business like they'll charge but, you, you know, for transfers it, and everything Like it's yeah. a similar f- thing in um, post-production like you have such a machine but they're the, I think put in kind of post-production from my experience they're quite happy to roll over and not charge for the stuff like that you know they've got someone having to work late that's tough you, know, you just have to work late yeah and I think I think even actors have complained about about to their like guilds about like their kind of working hours because I think you make more money from doing voice work than you can from performance perhaps yeah because I think they have a usage thing as well yeah. I guess the thing with sound is like with visuals it's always going to be like one thing you can't really repurpose it for anything else with like mm. a music track you could always have that on top of yeah anything mm. and I think it's just trying to protect that and yeah. I think it's amazing yeah like it's really like you know they've They've, they've sorted it like there's a, like PCAM there's always kind of like standards it's like almost like a union standard of rates that you should be charging wow. like sort of like people coming into the industry individuals there's a lot of smaller studios now so I think it's you know it doesn't really apply 
Mm. Like, well, it doesn't even make sense charging those amounts. So, um, right, right. Do you some, charge those rates? Not the, not the same as, say, a Soho audio house, I don't think. Wow. But I, guess, with, I think with, like, we position ourselves as, like, providing a different surface cause they're, uh, service because they're, uh, they're like an engineer by the hour. We'll yeah. record a VO for two hours or we'll mm. mix for three hours kind of thing. But, like, we sort of... We're trying to be more like a creative audio kind of service yeah. where we'll make the music, we'll make the sound design. Yeah. And like we can we can record VO and like we will mix everything ourselves and, and all that. But it's not really uh as you can see the way we're set up, you know, we're not not gonna have like big clients coming in all sat yeah. around and um yeah, we're sort of, I guess we're different to that. But is like, that ever something is that something you've ever thought about doing? About having like the big because I've I've been to some of those places to do Mm. Sound for ads and stuff, and it's mm. uh, went to this place in Soho, and they had like you go, you go and sit in in what is effectively like the most amazing private cinema you've ever been in. Yeah, all like leather chairs and stuff, and mm. they, some guy pushes a button, and the speakers like kind of like slowly raise up <laughs> the desk. Yeah, <laughs> and come yeah. up and like it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Uh, yeah, yeah. But have you ever thought about? No, about I think that? we're sort of happy. Because yeah. I think we always want to, like, be doing the creative rather than getting sure. something from someone else and kind of it feels a bit more like I'm it's like less kind of service work, I guess. More yeah, more and I, I don't want to knock what those guys are doing because like this, you know, incredible mixers and like some some of these studios are doing the sound design, they are they are doing the music and stuff like that. But like I guess like we want to sort of stay on the the creative end of it and um, be making stuff rather than being. I guess there's a difference between being, say, a composer and an engineer. Like, it's, it's that kind of step over. But like, you know, do you um, think that puts a a ceiling up to how big you can grow that the company? I don't know. I think like it's sort of the, the business model we have isn't new. I think there's there's still more to be had from it. Like whether that's from us or someone else. There's a lot of small studios or individuals doing kind of the same thing that that we're doing and taking on like um you know sort of some really big jobs kind of thing i'm just uh i guess no one's really pushed it that far i guess you sort of get to a point when you you're just happy with what you're doing like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never want to be like personally i can't speak for ben and magnus but i, I, I well like no i sort of get the 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 inclination from them as well like we never want to be massive we sort right. of always want to I guess we've got like a, a sort of specific sound we put out, or we like to think that we do, and we're just control freaks as well. But like we want to sort of, we have a sound. We want to make sure it's it's right and like what mm. what we represent. So, in that sense, like with us three, like I think we will expand a few more people eventually. But like I think we really want to kind of keep like a brand, I guess, a, a sort yeah, of yeah. a style of sound, um, certain type of quality coming out. So. Yeah, like. And you know maybe that that will fall away over the years, or you know because mm. someone else will be better, or a different mm. like you know uh, sort of you know people like other stuff. I don't know, but um, yeah, at the moment, like I think, yeah, we want to keep it small, and um, mm. I don't know. Have you guys thought about taking on interns at any point? Yeah, like we we talk about it a lot. Um, we just never have the time to really sort of because yeah. I I'd, I'd actually. So, so, like I said, I was working here alone. I'd love to have someone. Probably be more for just someone I have to talk to, <laughs> which sounds really bad. Like I sat in this kind of like literal padded cell. And sometimes <laughs> you're like, I'm just going nuts. I want like someone. Yeah. But I would love to. I, I do like teaching, and I'd love to sort of pass things on and um, 
get other people involved and all that kind of stuff. You've done Did some you? lecturing, haven't you? A little bit, yeah. Like not, I'm not, I'm not the best at it. Like I've done sort of sort of three I get like two mostly like I did one at um, BFI and it was yeah. actually I stood it was supposed to be Ben but he was away at the time right. and so I stood in for him and I just like talked about like the work we did and actually really, I did like I went off the, it was about an hour long the whole thing and I thought I'm never going to do this it actually went past really fast so the first half hour I went in this kind of like pseudo bollocks about science and like you know psychoacoustics and stuff and everyone was like oh. but then basically all these guys wanted to see was like I say I'm going to open some projects and show you what I did and that was yeah. more like what these guys are interested in like how did you do that how did you do that but that's, that's the thing I find that people think you've got this magic button or this secret technique that you've got but mm. it, it's it, it's not about that it's like if you know it sounds good or you've got like a an idea in your head just sort of do it like mm. um, did you yeah. did you learn from anybody when you were anybody particularly like when you were sort of getting into sound design? Uh, no, I never had, like, any major sort of um, idols. I, th- I definitely have learned off people, like, just by mm-hmm. listening to other people's stuff and by doing and, like, learning what's good, but I actually don't really listen to anyone else's stuff. Mm. And I, I don't know if that's, like, benefited me or not, but I, I sort of like to think... Okay, but when I'm you a- watch a film, are you sort of thinking about the sound and the music oh yeah 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 actually like it and ruined, does that take you out of the film it like at the start like the first few years it definitely ruined music and films <laughs> and sound because it's all you could like really pick out and then sort of over time you i guess you learn like when something interesting happens then you then you perk up and take notice but mm. otherwise i guess you sort of sit back and enjoy it kind of thing do, but, you, do uh, you hear things in feature films where you're like how the fuck did that get through like yeah it, sometimes really? yeah Surprisingly, in because um, like uh, you, uh, like a lot of the sort of sound libraries, they all, everyone has the same sample libraries. There's this sort of like this standard set of libraries. It's getting uh, more like more diverse now. Mm. But then there's these sounds that come out. That you're like, like you sort of pride yourself. Like, I know that that's the yeah, six thousand yeah. series number two five eight. Like yeah, something really? like that. It's you, like the Wilhelm scream is the archetypal. I guess so. That. Yeah. The what? That's become more of a joke, though. I think. Right. Yeah, it's like. It's the the Lucasfilm uh, the the screen. It comes from was it like a really old Western nineteen twenties? This guy made a scream, and it was like deemed like one of the perfect screams. So like it became a bit of a joke. Every like oh. Lucasfilm, like Indiana Jones, Star Wars, there's always a moment a guy falls off a cliff and he's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just when you know it, you'll hear it all the time. But um, how about um, that one where where it goes like? Ksh! Like somebody falls into some bins and then a cat. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the... is, that, is that like a sound effect, like <laughs> in a library somewhere? Yeah, there's like the cat was the the hawk when you're in the desert, like Nevada desert, and there's like the that oh, hawk. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's supposed to be an eagle, like but a it's, screen sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a red-tailed hawk. Just to uh, <laughs> bore you guys. <laughs> yeah, I remember someone was telling me that like um, studios used to copyright the sound effects with guns, so you could almost tell. What studio made that western by the sound of the the gunfire? Oh, possibly, yeah. Because I think there was like a Lucasfilm library, like yeah. back in the day. I, I think all these libraries have been because like the BBC library, Lucasfilm library, yeah. the, like all the Hanna Barbera yeah, know, cartoon yeah, yeah. ones. Uh, but I think they're all owned owned by like Sound Ideas or Hollywood Edge yeah, now. Yeah. So all those classic ones. Have you ever yeah. thought about making a sound library? I have actually, as a sort of side 
thing, but then I'm kind of like... I have a friend who's a hip-hop producer who's mm. a guy I went to school with, and he's done really well off of producing hip-hop over the years, and now he makes, like, beats, like, you literally just buy, you know, um, samples for your drum machine. Yeah. Uh, and tons of people use it, and that's, like, I think a big part of his income now. Yeah, it's big business now. There's, like, people selling... Cause it used to be like you buy massive libraries for thousands of pounds, but people are doing like micro libraries now. So whether it's like hip hop beats or they're just doing wind mm. or cars yeah. or whatever. So people like it's. Got, I mean, with the internet, it's easy to sell anything. So I've thought about it, but I think if I did it, I'd probably do more production, abstract stuff. But mm. then I was thinking, well, I'm just basically giving my sounds away, which is like selfish, I guess. Like, so why would you be giving them away? Selling. Because, like, I I guess I have sounds that I've made and, like, libraries of... You have, like, a unique kind of selling point or whatever that you... Yeah, not, and I'm saying I'm unique, but, like, I've got all this, this shit that I use that I love. And then, like... And if, stuff you created. Yeah. Then if I sell it, like, good or make money, but then everyone has all this stuff that I've... Mm. Like, you know, like, my sound... That sounds really arrogant, but, like, um... Yeah, but you made it. It's, it's yeah. Stuff. But then, you know, you, put you, said, the time you said it earlier that, um... Everyone thinks it's a magic button or a thing, but actually it's about your ideas and stuff. I, I know, like someone could have that library and just not <laughs> just be an idiot and not know what to do with it. You know, possibly, yeah. I've always thought like it's a lot of it is. I don't doesn't mean I'm right. It's just my personal opinion. Like it's a lot about your your taste and your choice in sounds. Yeah. Um, like I'm always trying to sort of like say you'll have an object on screen there's like you know when the sound's right when it like it plays out alongside the the object moving or whatever and it just feels like the right weight the right material kind of thing mm. and it just feels right and that's the kind of the uh the, the thing i'm always trying to achieve i guess mm. i don't know um so how I much just... stuff do you record in here originally versus like sound libraries um i mean it's hard to quantify it like like i said i was saying before it's is more it like 10 percent, or is it 70 percent? it depends on the project so like say i've got like time and it's a more artistic collaboration i probably have more time to mess around but like i mean i've in the same sense i've got loads of stuff now that i've recorded over time or made or whatever that i can just draw upon so i haven't technically done it for that project but it's there mm. sat there waiting to use kind of thing and then i guess you could argue I take a sample, but I fuck it up in some way, reverse it, whatever. Did I make it my own? I don't know, but like, um, yeah, like, I, like going back to the sort of the point of sound designers recognizing certain samples, I always try and not use, like, make any sample recognizable. I'm always trying to make it my own. Like in particular, there's these uh, sound idea six thousand. There's these space whooshes that kind of like match of the day transitions, like. Vroom, and yeah. like, I'll see, like, I would, like, I refuse to use them just, like, out of, you know, my own kind of personal thing. But um, I'll just right. never, ever use them. I was like, if I ever come to using those, then I've got too lazy and I've, you know, I'm not making, you know, not designing enough. Because I suppose there's a bit of a thing with sound designers, I suppose, where you're a track layer or a sound editor uh, or a sound designer where mm. either What's you're... A track layer? where you're just laying sound effects here and there not really doing anything but then a sound designer is someone who will get out and record things and 
get contact mics on metal and you know sort of run around and do things and I, I guess I'm sort of halfway between because I'm you know I, I am doing sort of doing post-production you don't have always the time to be like super creative and things so you kind of you know what works but I'll, I'll always try and make something my own and not just be sort of stand out people recognize what it is kind of thing I know it's like more of an internal sound design pride thing I don't know but like uh yeah, just my personal kind of little uh, motto, I suppose. <laughs> have you ever done any sort of um, recording on set for things? Have you ever been asked to like come and record like actors or? We don't do like location recording, like mm. the guy with the boom. Yeah, yeah, none of that. But like, do you get uh, asked for that kind of stuff? We, once or twice, but I think we sort of like. Um, I think we sort of like. Uh, if you go on the website, you kind of realise it's not really what we do. Yeah. But there was like one project in particular, like for Head Ski. And I guess like it's the biggest example. Like we got asked to go out to this uh, place, Aura in Sweden. Went out, and uh, we were just trying to sort of. Um, we weren't there on like with the boom recording shots. We were just trying to capture the sound of skiing being outdoors. We had all these ideas of like, like you get contact microphones, which are basically like stethoscopes. They they record the vibrations rather than like free air kind of okay. sound. So we like stuck some of them on like skis and just tried all this like weird shit. I know, uh, just trying to yeah build a library of that place and the skiing and stuff. And uh, yeah, it turned out all right in the end. And um, uh, yeah, we sort of did like I think it was a sort of series of three, three movies just about the various head ski products kind mm. of thing. There's one in particular that was all about the kind of the slopes and you know the. the, mm. the, the you know how brisk it is and you know how icy and everything yeah. um and that was like really really good like it was yeah. um i'd never done anything like that before and i was like like you were saying before sam like it kind of takes you out of your comfort zone something you've never done before but yeah. you just kind of make it work despite being horrendously hung over on the first day like just oh yeah but um <laughs> but yeah you sort of just get out there and you do it kind of thing because yeah. you, you don't want to i guess half it is you don't want to end up back at the studio and you got nothing like and yeah. being like you know, you paid all this money and you, we've just done, not done anything. But, um, yeah, that was really interesting. And I think it makes, like, all the difference getting your own material. Just something, like, other than, like, stock material, you know? Like, just, mm. just, uh... Because, like, we all record, like, I don't know, 30, 20 minutes of, like, just shit. Mm. And then, like, there's moments in that that you'll pick out. And I, I guess, again, about having the ear, perhaps that you sort of pick out the good stuff kind of mm. thing and um, sort of use all that so yeah but you're uh, not into like doing any kind of location stuff as I imagine no. it would be if you were doing something that had like actors talking in it I I don't know just from like one it being such a control freak when I'm making my own stuff like I'd be scared that some if another company was doing that and then I essentially had to do the post on it I'd be scared that they'd fuck it up you know, and you'd get back some crap recording that you then have to spend hours like cleaning up and stuff like that. No, that happens all the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> which is why I won't do like. Well, I'd prefer not to do location recording because it's like so hard to do. Actors running about. I mean, you have yeah. like lapel mics and booms mm. and stuff, but there's only so much you can do. So, like, I was, sometimes you have dialogue. You can spend days trying yeah. to trying to clean up. Um, but like, uh, particularly for action scenes, a boom operator has to learn 
where to be and where to angle mm. everything and like duck and like move around the back of the camera and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, you have to be so fit to hold one of those. Yeah, yeah, things, like but. especially you're following like Jason Statham up the stairs or something like that. It'd be a fucking nightmare. Like, you f- do you ever feel that you're like, like as sound people? Do you ever feel like you'd rather lead a sound or music that you'd rather be like leading the project rather than kind of being almost kind of the second stage? I don't know. Like I think like. A lot of like a sort of audio people always say, "Yeah, we should do a project where it's sound first, and then people just like." But I think visual, visual, so like it's such a primary kind of. People are always going to look, bef- you know, people want to watch films; they don't want to listen to films. I guess, like sure. I, I know, like you've got podcasts and music, but that's a sort of a very, very different thing. I think, yeah, just sort of like as a side note, like the boom operator thing, like it's like we do get stuff we need to clean up but it's like a thankless job like you're really working in difficult conditions with noises and sure. people and like running around kind of thing but I know like for film that's it's its own it's its own like art so like sound will always a lot of people say oh it's 50% visual 50% sound I don't, I don't think that's true like when it comes to production post-production probably yes kind of thing so in terms of like doing a film, you think it's lower in in production? Yeah, like no, because like you're there to capture the the visuals. You're spending a lot on like cars flying about the place and yeah, certain yeah. actors and stuff. You're getting the best sound you can, but like this is where you have ADR, they sort of yeah, re-record yeah. lines and things. And then there are there are certain films where the sound really takes center stage. Though, like I was watching, um, fuck, what's that film? Uh, there will be blood the other night. There will be blood. I haven't Have seen that. I haven't actually seen that. No. And Johnny Greenwood, I think, did the. Well, it's not sound; it's music. But like, yeah. he did the score to it. And like the first fifteen, twenty minutes of the film, like there's some stuff happening, but it's kind of a lot of it's quite slow and drawn out. Mm. And you're really just listening to the music, and that's kind. Of, it's really kind of like makes you think about the music. Um, I think that's not. A, I mean, and then later on, you kind of get back into the story a little bit. Yeah. Further. I don't know, I definitely don't think it's a bad thing. I think, like, you can... People are starting to consider sound a lot more. Like, it's always, like, an afterthought, but I think... Like, yeah, people are really sort of considering the, the role sound might play, so they're sort of filming things with that in mind, like, um, which I think is great, because I think... So more now than previously, do you think? I, I think so, yeah, yeah. So it used to be, um, like, yeah, splat, splat the sound on top. Not, not in every case, there's always going to be exceptions, but I think people... Are, Directors in particular, they they have a very seem to be like having a very a, a more clearer and clearer idea of what sound they want to happen, and if they're shooting with that in mind and editing with that in mind, then that's all the better for us, kind of thing. Like, and it, there's a very basic example is like a BPM of a song, kind of thing. If you're editing to a BPM, it's just going to like make all the every impact, every transition a lot better. Um, for film, I think it's like definitely something that should be kept in mind more um, whether you, I don't know but then like yeah if you, if you have a, a whole scene based around the music it kind of becomes a different thing I think like like a music video almost yeah, yeah. like but yeah. I think it's I think like you hit the nail on the head as long as it's considered going into it rather than an afterthought because you know even you know from when you know we're at school making short films or whatever you're never really taught about sound and the role it's going to play and I've seen so many 
great student films and that that are completely ruined by the music or the sound effects that are slapped on mm. top and I kind of think it is a shame that music is the the part that comes afterwards but only kind of out of necessity really yeah and but I think it plays almost a bigger role in the um, the final product than actually the visuals like I, I genuinely think that like you can absolutely fuck up something by having bad sound and you know, in horror movies and things like that, it's the sound that's making you scared. Mm. You know, like a, a, you know, whatever, like a little shriek or like a, the, the atmosphere in the room or, uh, you know, any any scene that you, in a horror film you see where like something jumps out and makes you scared, it's always a big sound effect that comes along with it. Yeah. Like, I, I really think it's like, it holds a lot more weight than people um, I think like, yeah, give horror's, it respect for. Horror is like its own special breed of sound design because you can have sounds happening that don't relate to the actual scene was like non-diegetic or whatever the yeah, term yeah. is like and you can yeah have like clashes of metal or like scrapes and stuff like yeah, they just got nothing to do with what's happening but it yeah. just kind of works it's like it's you can't really do that in many other genres kind of yeah, thing yeah yeah it's almost like you've got this this sort of um you, you've, they've built this language over the years for horror and uh but now they sort of like they double bluff you, so they they build the sound, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh, something scary is going to happen, yeah. but then it doesn't. But then we've even gone past where it's like a a double bluff now, so you yeah, like yeah, you yeah. fucking, which which works well because you don't know whether it is going to happen or it's yeah, not yeah. kind of thing. Like, uh, yeah, like I, I think it's um, it can almost be done quite hammy, like as well, like uh, like I I like good horror or good kind of like suspense stuff when. That almost like we were saying, they kind of d- double bluff things. Like I've, I've, I was watching like a zombie film recently, and it's like you could always tell when a zombie was going to come because you could hear the sound of flies. Yeah. I bet the sound designer thought, oh, that's such a good idea, but it just ruined it because I knew exactly what was coming because of the yeah the sound. That I thought was, it was like um, an indicator of the yeah yeah, yeah. What was about to come. Um, it's like horror's got really, it got really bad with sound, and then I think it's picking up. I always like myself preferred European horror because it always sounded a lot more brittle I guess the cinematography was always a, felt a bit more real as well mm. but it's always more brittle not Hollywood not massive like booms and bangs but mm. I don't know I, yeah sound design in Hollywood was get, getting better I can remember um, was it Insidious and they just had these kind of I haven't seen it oh these are just like it's good it's like, it's like <laughs> this is, sounds really stupid it's yeah. really good if good. it wasn't for five or six really shit bits kind of thing right. like it's really creepy scary bits. Uh, like general film bits. general film bits yeah like it's really scary and creepy but then there's like just one bit where a kid runs out of the cupboard and you're like and it's supposed to be scary but it's just like yeah, it's it, like it just looks like a kid running out of the cupboard or something but like <laughs> but they just had this soundtrack and it's just like these fucking really scrapey violins just like descending yeah. down the scale like yeah. yeah yeah I always remember thinking that was awesome but yeah, and I've always loved horror sound design. Right, right. right. Well, yeah, sorry, go on. Oh no, I was gonna say go back to your point of like you were saying, like you notice when sounds bad because it yeah, takes yeah. takes you out of the, uh, the whole experience and mm. sort of thing. I think it's like a bit of a sound design um, like motto or, or golden rule or something where sound design should not be noticed. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. I think it was Walter Murch or someone who yeah. who said that. But I'd like sort of silently I've always had a little bit of a problem with that because I know, like, I know totally what they're getting at they say it should shouldn't take you know should enhance the experience be part of the scene not take you out of it not like you know ruin the whole thing 
but like it's, it's almost like would you have films like uh, Kill Bill where like it's really stylized like you know the the music the even the foley of the, the oh, yeah. whoosh, and like yeah, yeah. the chains it, it sounded like bad like kung fu or whatever yeah it sounded bad on purpose and, and like you that. notice that or yeah, yeah, yeah. like the sound of the predator vision like you know when he's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all quite vivid sound so like for people who are learning sound design and you're preaching sound design should not be noticed like mm. it might sort of like make them avoid doing anything too kind of experimental or rash or yeah, do yeah. anything like different on it so I, I don't know what the golden rule should be but i'm just a little bit i just, i always say is take that with a pinch of salt it's like it's the it's like a sort of a good rule to know but then not to stick hard to it kind of yeah thing. i find it like the same as saying just don't do a shit job like yeah, yeah which yeah. is like the same for any job really yeah, like, yeah, yeah. i don't know i love that don't I've, fuck it up <laughs> i'm gonna i want to ask you about like what's your favorite bit of sound design or sound design in a film or whatever but mine is the sound of the velociraptor in jurassic park man i think that's like one of the best bits of sound design i love it so much is it like a really high-pitched screech? Yeah, it? and I watched the making of where they were talking about how they made it, and it's like they 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 recorded the sound of a dolphin screaming or shrieking or whatever the sound they kind of make, and yeah. they've like fucked with it in order to kind of create that sound. It's, I know what you mean. It's got that kind of um, cause like when you listen to horses, it sounds like it's coming from a big animal. You can almost hear the hollow body if that makes yeah, sense yeah, yeah, and yeah. the velociraptor thing it feels like it's coming from inside of something rather than just like a yeah, yeah. ridiculous monster roar or something yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Like in terms of my favourite sound design fucking hell like like as an entire film I would say Aliens I loved the like, second one yeah yeah um, just like when they're outside on the planet when they're not inside the, the buildings and oh, it's just yeah. like it's fucking constant like like the wind oh, yeah, yeah. Like and like just like yes yeah, absolute de- windswept desolate like you just don't want to be out there and then when you get here and everything's drippy you've even got the sound of the um, like the radar thing oh, yeah, like yeah. the boom oh yeah that's boom. amazing yeah and it's just like a really good vehicle for building tension because it gets yeah. faster and faster when you know something's getting yeah, closer yeah they don't know where they are and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but like sort of adverse to the the zombie thing you mentioned with the flies you you know there's something there but you don't know what it is, is it? Yeah, like yeah. I mean Newt or you know whoever yeah yeah and then just like that end scene where um, Ripley goes back into the building to save Newt yeah. there's all like steam and alarms oh, yeah, and like yeah. all the, everything's kicking off she meets the queen and like it's just like the whole thing was just like as as a as a whole piece rather than like sort of single elements mm. I, I thought everything in there was like like really really well done loved yeah. it yeah do you know who the sound person was on that I couldn't I actually couldn't tell you like, I'm really bad I couldn't like I'm the same with music I love songs right. and I just couldn't tell you who, do, who names yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I should really look into this kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like, that's what I mean like I was saying earlier on I just don't listen to anyone else's stuff like mm. I should really kind of find this stuff out I don't know yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start watching some of this stuff again with a, with a new perspective on this because you're so right that Aliens sound design is amazing because when you kn- I don't think there's anything in the film that says oh it's a big desolate planet mm. I don't think you see any visuals of a big desolate planet but you know it is just because of the sound yeah there's just like quite close up shots of wreckage they'll be in like a yeah. closed shot of like other than a CG shot of like yeah, yeah. yeah but like more 
recently, I guess. Like, I really like sci-fi recently. I think it's really picked up. Okay. Unfortunately, a lot of the sci-fi films are like have got Tom Cruise in them, which is a, you know, sort of look past that. But I really liked Obliv- <laughs> Oblivion. I thought yeah, it was... Right. Did you guys see that? Mm, and they no. had the... Um, I didn't watch it because those Cruise, drone things, the, the white ball things that were protecting oh, right. the, uh, and they just had this kind of like, I don't know, I don't know like synthy eighties, like just droning, like, like these noises they would make, and they would, like, yeah, that was really good. And then, um, what the fuck is the other one? Oh yeah, like Edge of Tomorrow. Obviously, the previous one was the, the Tron, the Tron remake, and stuff like oh, yeah. that. Um, like, yeah, the sci-fi has really picked up the sort of sci-fi uh, sound design game I think um, but like just to pick out one sound I can't even I don't, I don't go too cliche and say like something from Star Wars even though I mean the lightsaber is like probably one of the most iconic bits of sound design exactly yeah I mean it's just you can't compete with that but like I'm, I'm always question though like <laughs> you can't like but like um, I always question like What's memorable versus what's been re- repeated a lot and a lot and a lot. Like, right, right, right. It's the same like you have um, like low what they call it like uh, sonic mnemonics like mm. say um, McDonald's I'm loving it or Intel. Dun, 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 dun. The like, more you hear it, the more you the more you recognise it as opposed like to it. yeah. Well, yeah, you just rec- like you hear those sounds and you recognise it. It's not like I do think that there's a thing. I think that there's literally like a psychological uh, experiment which is called like the mere exposure effect or something and it was like it's about how like if you're exposed to the same sounds or the same images over and over again you develop a uh, affinity for them or you like them in some subconscious way and that's why people put singles on the radio and like pay for them to be played a bunch of times so people get used to them and then yeah they like them I think it's like yeah maybe more like for me acceptance rather than like right. like affinity kind of thing like beaten down <laughs> yeah like okay it's, it's a thing beaten so. into submission yeah because I, I remember hearing like the first time I heard I'm loving it the McDonald's thing I thought mm. well, that sounds a bit weird and shit but then everyone knows it now like you just yeah, yeah you just the same with visuals like you play you just associate it with a certain brand and that's the yeah. that's why I'm like are they actually catchy or are they just being like pummeled in your face like yeah, to the yeah. point yeah where you're beaten down and you yeah, you know what it is. <laughs> Have you got any ambition to do film? Yes and no, because I love film. Cause it's a lot more drawn out. You can get really atmospheric and tense over a longer period of time. But I know how long it takes to do a film. So, like, be I've got a really short attention spans. So right. I quite like doing things, getting it done, and then just moving on to the next thing. Whereas yeah. a film, you just, you're like, I don't know what. The time scale's like a year, yeah. two years, yeah. doing exactly the same thing. And fair enough, it's different scenes, but there's got to be some point you've got the bulk of it done, you've just got to run over everything again and yeah, again yeah. and again, resyncing, resyncing. And yeah, I'm quite, like I said, short attention span. I like doing things, getting your ideas down on paper. And I don't mind doing short films, like sort of probably up to 10 minutes. I don't know. I don't know, but like, I don't know, it depends. Like if someone like fucking dumped. Like Blade Runner two on my lap, I'll be like, of course. But how long do you think something like that would take to do? I'm thinking like these days probably like two years. Whether the audio guys two years to do the sound. Oh no, not just the sound. I meant like as a the, yeah. No, but to do the sound, they probably get about nine months, I guess. I don't know. I don't know because like you have to wait till everything's kind of locked There's in the place. Post as well, I guess. Yeah. 
So but, you, but surely there must be like a dude who sets the tone for everything and lays out the big scenes, and then someone, like you said, almost goes and runs through it and puts it all in, and they just oversee it. Yeah, they always, I think they always have like a lead, like a sound supervisor or a mm. lead sound designer, and they sit with the director. They do a spotting session. They say like, right, we need this and that here. These are going to sound a bit like that. Yeah. And I suppose there is a bit like even before you have like visuals and like stuff to work to. There's there's gonna be a time like okay we'll get out we know there's gonna be loads of like cats falling from the ski from the ceiling so we'll just yeah. go record loads of that and you just yeah, gather yeah. material get all your shit together and just sort of be as prepared as you can for when the visuals start pouring in I mean like these guys have teams of fucking probably mm. like I'm just guessing but like fifty sixty to hundred people like yeah, just, yeah. Um, just laying shit down all the time but I think I don't know it's kind of like I, I like. To work on film, but any of us in a kind of more supervising yeah, kind yeah. of role where I could dictate, which is like, I don't think I'm worthy of that at all. Like I've, well, never, d- I've never done anything like that in my life. But, um, but there's more and more people kind of doing, the, you know, the independent route, mm, you know, and I'm yeah. sure like I think you yeah, get more of a kind of leader role if it was like a bit more indie or whatever. Yeah, definitely. But I think you sort of get lesser budgets, less lesser people, so you're yeah. you're taking a lot more, which isn't a bad thing. I'm like you know great if you want to do that but again like you sort of just have to commit yourself to one project for a long time and you I don't know I just don't have that kind of <laughs> I, I like sort of doing different things all the time and like saying oh cool there's a new thing to do uh, and do that put it out there move on to the next one kind of thing so it wouldn't be an ambition to sort of grow Box of Toys into a, co- a company that handles film and things mm, not Personally, again, I can't speak for Ben and Magnus, but I think like we're sort of good. Um, I think I don't know, like you know, who knows what the future holds. I think we're sort of happy, um, sort of doing what we're doing what we do, and just yeah. like um, th- there's so much to sort of grow into other than film. Like you know, you've got all the sort of VR stuff, games, oh, yeah, yeah. and like even like short YouTube videos. Like they're, they're becoming really sort of high, like quite high production sort yeah, of little yeah, yeah. things. Did you get the sound for the? Oh, it's embarrassing I don't know this but for the Ninja Rabbit thing yeah that I thought was amazing oh thanks man it that's for the VR experience yeah mm. so the yeah sorry so the Ninja Rabbit VR I don't know if anyone listening has played it but when you um, you can map sound in a 3D space and so when when you you're in the world like sounds happening relative to where it should be in the yeah um, head tracks as you're looking around yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so is that something that you guys want to grow? Yeah, I think that the tools are getting more and more um, accessible. Because like when I did that, it was the first time I'd ever done it. And because um, the uh, No Ghost, the guys who did the, hmm. the, the 3D on that, they were doing it in Unreal Engine 4. Yeah. And like I'd, I'd never done any coding or anything like that before. And then I knew F Mod was like a sort. It's like a an audio engine which basically sort of calculates where things are mm. like according to your distance we had like all this kind of stuff and I've played around it before but like it's the first time it ever like connected the two together any coding anything like that and like so I sort of like basically taught myself that just out of I don't know I just hate it when I don't know stuff and I kind of yeah, like yeah, want yeah. to just do it Fortunately, yeah. so was there coding required to make that to an extent music? like because um, it's quite um like UE4 is quite visual, so it's like uh, what's it called? You know, you're just kind of connecting blocks together. Um, sure. What's the word? 
modular kind of right, right. but visually um but then like you have this the audio software f mod and like it's very different to sort of just like a linear timeline when you're sort of saying it's just playing that that sample plays here that mm. sample plays there like with f mod you're kind of doing it event based so you're sort of saying the faster this thing gets it sounds like as the speed goes up it's it sounds different or right, right. the further it gets away or the more kind of blue it gets or whatever so you're sort of building sounds as events and then you sort of attach those events to um, the events in, in UE4 um, and I, I don't know anything about UE4 like the sort of stuff No Ghost is doing is all these like crazy webs of all sorts of shit going on but you kind of you can follow s some sort of logic okay well I don't know any of that but I know like that saying the 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 car like cannons come down so that's when we need this sound to start mm. kind of thing like there wasn't by no means was it um as complicated say, as say games are because it's all quite like linear on rails kind of thing but to some degree but um yeah like it's good it's good to learn that stuff and sort of get yeah. your head around it and um and you've done another vr thing since then right yeah like we're starting to do uh like well sometimes you get like these vr youtube things and they just yeah. they just go for stereo but like there's um some software that was by two big ears which has been bought out by facebook recently they made it free uh, fb360 spatial workstation which means it's, it's just made the whole pipeline a lot more easier for people doing like vr cinematic like not interactive games but like say yeah the linear experiences mm. where you it's always the same but you're looking around still kind of thing mm. it means I can work straight out the software I'm doing and and, and make all that work so that like I sort of learn that again but that's maybe a little, a little more less complicated but um, it's just an example of how it's rather than like getting into the coding it's a bit like you know originally people were doing HTML they were coding it then you got those was it YSI doing yeah yeah, yeah. back end sort of builds yeah yeah so you had like a, a front end thing that did all that stuff for you I think it's getting more that way where you don't need to know that so much and it, you right, know, yeah. you're going to have like more accessible software to kind of help really help you yeah. figure these things out um, yeah so I think it's like it's, it's going to be well it already is obviously like a, it's the future ongoing yeah. kind of thing how popular it gets I don't know because I can't see it being like something you have in your lounge like you're not going to sit there with your family all with like headsets on it's just stupid but like you know in terms of experiences but maybe and, for games like yeah. that's the only way I can see it becoming really domestic is just if someone's playing a game yeah or like you know the I don't know trade shows or something like you know yeah, yeah. or yeah definitely games but, but or, would you do things for games yeah I think so I'd like to yeah um, again like you know it depends on the scale because I think games can get massive you know yeah. they have the, the budgets of Hollywood films now so yeah, yeah. Depends how big you want to go, but I would I would like to do it just to have done it, I guess, and um, see just just to learn, I guess. Because like mm. like I said, I hate not knowing. Mm. It's going to get to a point where you no, know, you're going to have to hire an expert because it's like I think audio always was like audio guys, but it's starting to split into different roles. You have audio right. programmers, sound designers, mix masters, composers, and mm. it's starting to split off into different sort of areas of expertise. And you can like I don't know there's people who can do probably all of those things, but um, yeah, I think it's just expanding to the yeah, to yeah. the point where you know maybe you guys have got that in animation. You have guys who do 
whatever I know, cell work or you know, I don't yeah, know, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know the process really. But um, I think it, I think it kind of, you know, ever since industrialization has been around, like Disney always had people who were very specialized. You know, they had like, hmm. they have like a systematic pipeline and stuff. There's one thing that I wanted to ask you about, which was, what is your ideal way of working with filmmakers? So, for example, if somebody wants a score for their film, would you like somebody to work to a scratch track and then you match that? Because I know that happens a lot in feature films. Mm. Would you like people to, when people describe things to you, you know, I want this kind of sound. Would you do you like it when people go like, I want to kind of, kind of, you know, or is it like, yeah? How, I mean, it's really difficult. I think working with sound people for me because yeah. I, I I don't know, and and music people as well because you know to some extent I know a little bit about about music like I, you know played in band and stuff when I was a kid, but like I don't really know what I'm talking about at all. Um, and, uh, and it's very difficult to talk about it in any way, in a, in a kind of technical way. It's like, what what do you? What's your kind of ideal workflow? I suppose. I think like, in terms of talking about audio, like we like we hear like literally we hear this all the time. Everyone's like quite apologetic. Sorry, I don't know the specific terms and right. blah, blah, blah. like you know, like just the way we speak. You know, we sort of I guess beat some bars a little bit, but there's certain sounds you can't explain without sort of just singing them down the phone or just saying, you know, that you sort of say, you know, at 32 seconds and it goes, then that's the way, that's the way we work kind of thing. Like, and I don't think people should be embarrassed, like people who work with us or any audio people should, you know, just do that because I think the audio guys speak like that too. And like, you know, maybe we have a few words that if we're getting technical, like decibels and frequencies and, you know, that's what we talk about aspects of those, but... In terms of explaining, yeah, just sort of say a time, that sound there is too loud, get rid of it or whatever, then just... And in terms of, like, score, how, like, what's the best way to... In terms of actually making the... The, the music. Yeah. I don't know, it depends, like... Uh, like I saying, well, sometimes it works for the that particular video to have... They have a BPM early on, okay. even without a track, just like a... Like a beat, and then, like, they can edit... So it's like a metronome. Yeah, yeah, and they can edit and make things to that beat. So it really right. helps, like, when we do come to do the music, match that beat, that metronome, and everything sort of syncs to time kind of thing. Um, I guess, like, the ideal, the ideal, ideal kind of project would be we get given a locked film, it's finished, um, and they say, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here's, like, a million pounds. Um, but... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's like because I don't know I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit because like we do like we do sort of advocate sound being involved earlier on, early on kind of thing, mm. discussing those sort of things you can do. But then I guess like, um, and I, I like personally I find it easier sort of discussing those things early on. Then we get the film, and then we sort of like make it to the film because it's like when you make something to film they're like oh no we've changed all the edit everything's been resynced you kind of like you've, you've changed everything you've done like mm. the, the, the audio there's like yeah. it's not like um, everything syncs to a certain thing there's a flow to it you, you, you make things with a flow in mind and mm. um, 
and if it's everything just like shifting it along sort of, yeah, yeah yeah so if everything changes then it, ch- it changes everything you've done and like it's yeah. sort of and I, I suppose everyone's had those projects where you're sort of trying to be enthusiastic for as long as you can until it gets to the point everything's changed so much that it's not what you intended and you're kind yeah. of just trying to make it work um so yeah like the less thinking the more kind of forethought for for sound um yeah, like yeah, just think, thinking about sound early on, and and, and like you know, because we sort of have projects where they like we we're doing sound to story storyboards or something, for example. We're just like doing to sort of still pictures that hold for five seconds, and there's another one, another one. Like it doesn't really achieve anything, to be honest. Like okay. unless you have like we're just trying to find the right kind of music that that. But I know I was, I think if, you, if you're going to do it that way, you're just trying to find music early on. You could have any track. Like yeah. it's, it's better to have a track that's composed to visuals, sort of thing. Like it will rise and fall with the narrative mm-hmm. and impact in the right place. And this, I mean, same sound design is like the king of that because it only reacts to what you can see mm-hmm. in in like mostly. Um, I think like um, I, th- I don't think I've ever done it, but I've seen it done in like storyboards for like. I don't know when you see a making of of a Pixar film and they they put a soundtrack on it and I think that from I imagine is probably more done for the for the for the visual you know what I mean it's more like is this playing out like if this glass smashes on the floor right now like yeah um I imagine that's kind of could be helpful but it, you're saying that's not helpful for your process I mean like we could always like put a spot sound effects like the glass yeah, smashing yeah. here but then like I suppose we start making decisions like what kind of glass is this? What kind of oh, right, yeah, is yeah, like? Yeah. Is this like a scary moment, or is this yeah, like yeah, yeah. a comedic moment? Is it a big glass, a little glass kind of thing? And then There's no point going into it then. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. So we can just like throw down sounds, but the, the ideal thing is like when you've had a discussion about what kind of sound and what what you're going for, they take it into account in the the edit, the filming, or the the animation, whatever. And then we can sort of come in. We have something that's fairly locked, and then we, you know we can start sort of building it up. Mm. And I, that's just for me. I can't speak for everyone because, like, mm. um, you know, people might like to be involved a lot earlier on, and I, I don't know. But um, mm. as, as in terms of an easy process, I think it's just like yeah, like we discussed before, just have, you know, considering it earlier on rather than yeah, just yeah. saying fix it in yeah, post yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Um, like mm. yeah, yeah, having a vision. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's sort of people always have a vision, but like. There's, like yeah, the sounds quite often an afterthought, like sort of last, yeah, yeah. last in the food chain type thing, and yeah, yeah, and like leaving time for it as well. Like rather than we've got to deliver oh, right, when, yeah. Wednesday, we won't be locked until Tuesday. So you've basically got a day to kind of like yeah, yeah. make it amazing. But sometimes you end up with projects that you you can tell haven't gone how they planned, so they they're hoping <clears throat> that the audio will save it, kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a lot of pressure to have so yeah like you said Sam like having a vision and kind of sticking with it and mm. you know I think we sort of probably root out a lot of bad directors if yeah <laughs> if like I've, it, I've seen that happen in animation as well I've literally done jobs where it's like oh uh, yeah it didn't look that good so we just want to bung some animation on it mm. uh, I was on one like that a few a good few years ago yeah I suppose like yeah some projects a lot of chefs it's always going to happen I don't know but mm. uh, yeah I can't believe one of my questions in this was, what's your favourite sound effect? <laughs> it's a classic. 
Actually, I forgot to say, you like... You do sound, right? What's your favourite sound? Actually, I forgot to say, though, one of his, like, in cartoons, when they punch someone, it's like... Psh! Like it's just like a well-timed <laughs> yeah. last two lines. Yeah. I tell you what, I've got one last question. Yeah. What do you prefer um, working in uh, or working to animation or live action? Because you or like uh, motion graphics? Because yeah, um, you work quite a lot with animators and stuff, don't you? Or animation? Yeah, animation. Like you're saying, like like live action or animation slash motion graphics. Or, well, or either, you know, there's some like you were talking about, like you know, crazy Basically geometry. Saying how much do you love us? Oh, okay, no, no, yeah, because yeah. I imagine like with you know with live action, if you someone smashes a glass or like some there's a particular sound of like a foot scraping on a rug or something like that, it probably has to be somewhat more realistic than if you did it in animation. Maybe maybe you have a bit more freedom because of yeah. the style of the imagery or actually, yeah, like fully stuff in like live action has to be quite spot on, mm. which is why you have these like. Basically, in in bigger productions like Foley guy, Foley guys, editors, uh, Foley recordists, mm. they're absolutely amazing. They like they they sit there in a big pit of like clothes and shoes and sand and like yeah, all these yeah. objects, and they act it out. Still now, they're, still now they do that. Like to picture as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they all smash out like I don't know how much a day, like you know, fucking ten minutes a day. And like for me to do ten minutes of Foley, I'll probably. If I started recording and like you know doing the sample, it'd take me forever. Like yeah, but these yeah. guys, like they're so good at just yeah, doing yeah. all the little nuances and stuff. It's really interesting to watch. But anyway, like for that reason, I think I do prefer like motion graphics or animation because you sort of a little like I guess it doesn't have to be so exact, but also it's like you're left like a little bit more imagination to. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying when we were when you're doing the sound for everything I can see from here that you were doing like a guy walking across screen and you were saying that there's a certain rule about how many steps oh the rule uh, rule of three so like yeah when there's more than three things happening on screen like your brain just like okay there's lots of things happening i'm not going to try and track every single sound so like you've seen like horses gallop like a big stampede you know i mean it's just a general sound of like Uh, you're not going to track every single one but so if there's more than Three feet. Generally, feet, yeah. Unless there's like, unless there's like, there's balls bouncing around, and there's one particular one that flies past the screen, like right, particular yeah. ones that stand out. So that's something I'll watch for. When there's lots of shit going on, I'll do a general sound. If there's any particular moments sticking out, then you mm-hmm. sort of you pinpoint that kind of thing. But then I wonder whether I've gotten to the point where I I pinpoint too much stuff because I spend right. ages uh, doing stuff that probably people don't notice. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, rule of three. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Dude, thanks so much, man.